Just give me Jesus. Amen? All right, take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Genesis chapter 35. As we continue our study through the book of Genesis, this morning we're going to be covering Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 through 15. Genesis chapter 35, verses 1 through 15, this is what it says. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands and the earrings that were in their ears, And Jacob hid them under the terebinth tree, which was in Shechem. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all his people who were with him. And he built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under the terebinth tree, so the name of it was called Alan Bakuth. Then then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Haran, and uh, blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. Your name shall not be called that Jacob anymore, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Also God said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall proceed from you. The kings shall come from your body. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac I give to you, and to your descendants after you I give this land. Then God went up from him in that place where he talked with him. So Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured a drink offering on it, and he poured oil on it. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spoke with him, Bethel. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word, and let's unite our hearts together again in prayer. Father, once again we come to you this morning, and we thank you for your goodness toward us. We thank you, Lord, for our church here at Hebron, and we just pray, God, that you be with us today as we study your word. We pray for all of the congregations all around that are meeting in this hour, and we just ask, God, your blessings in each and every one. Help us to be faithful to your word. 
Help us to grow both in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. In this study of the life of Jacob, we've looked at Jacob's ladder and have come to understand that that episode dealt with Jacob's salvation. And last week we dealt with that battle that we cannot afford to win. Remember, as Jacob wrestled, submitted and surrendered to the sovereignty of God. Remember the man angel with whom Jacob wrestled. I told you it was a Christophany. By that I mean a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And Jacob could all Jacob could do was to hold on to him until the Lord blessed him. Now most people would think that everything was going pretty well for Jacob. That he was in pretty good shape. He was saved and had come to a place where he was totally surrendered uh, to the Lord. But however, we've skipped over chapters 33 and 34. But I want to share with you that if you study those chapters, you'll find that things didn't continue to go well with Jacob during those times. As a matter of fact, there were some times when Jacob kind of slipped back to where he was before. Remember, God told him that he changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Well, he'd gone back to being uh, Jacob again. We find all kinds of disasters happening. His daughter was raped. His two sons committed murder and were leaders in a heinous slaughter of many innocent people, and you wonder how in the world that could be happening. How could all that be going on? How could Jacob, who had entered into this relationship with the Heavenly Father and had surrendered to the Lordship of God, and how could we? How could he stand by and, and let all these things begin to happen? We find that Jacob had entered into what we would call a backslidden state. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, about this idea of being backsliders. We need to pay careful of attention uh, to this because backsliding is something that we all struggle from uh, from time to time. As a matter of fact, when someone tells me that they never backslide, I think to myself, I don't always say it out loud, I teach my granddaughter and my children before me that you don't always have to say everything that comes to your mind, And uh, but sometimes when people tell me that they never have a trouble with backsliding, I seem to think to myself that you're so backslidden that you don't even recognize it. Because, dear friends, we all from time to time have to deal with this idea of being backslidden. Sometimes we need to understand that uh, there's no one single decision. There's no one single act that will enable us to be totally mature, totally obedient, 
totally in fellowship with God for the rest of our lives. That just doesn't exist. We have to understand that this thing that we call living the Christian life is a matter of daily abiding with Christ. It must be something that we are going forward in our relationship with Christ all of the time because soon as we begin to stand still in that relationship, we begin to start falling backwards. You've heard me say before, it's like driving a car up a hill with no brakes. I mean, if you stop going forward, you're going to start rolling backwards. Jesus said, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either gathering or you're scattering. There's no middle ground. There's no standing still. If we are not growing both in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then we begin to backslide. In chapters 33 and 34, Jacob became a backslider. He was filled with frustration and failure and despair. On the outside, he appeared to be okay. But on the inside, things were a little bit different. You know, there were people that seemed to be doing just fine. Jacob, remember Jacob from the very beginning was a getter. He was always reaching out. He was a schemer. He was a conniver. He wanted to look good in front of everybody else. And the Bible says that he was prosperous. The Bible says that he had many uh, uh, donkeys and camels and sheep and cattle. He had gold and precious uh, stones. Uh, he was a very wealthy man. He was very good on the outside. He wanted to make sure that everybody knew that he was a prosperous man. It kind of reminds me of a story I heard a long time ago about a man who was very prosperous and flaunted his wealth. He loved gold. He wanted everything in his life. He had a gold Cadillac. He had gold watches. He had gold rings. He wanted everybody to know that he loved gold. As a matter of fact, that he loved gold so much, he had his bedroom redecorated, had yellow carpet put in the bedroom, painted the walls yellow, got yellow linens and yellow covers for his bed, yellow pillows for his bed. He even bought yellow pajamas that he could wear. He wanted everything in there to look like gold until one day he got sick. And guess what he got? He got yellow jaundice. The wife called the doctor. The doctor went upstairs and stayed up there, it seemed, for an inordinate amount of time. He came back down, and the wife asked him, How is he? How's he doing? And the doctor, with a quizzical look on his face, said, I don't know. I couldn't find him. <laughs> Sometimes we get lost in our desires to be wealthy or to put on that show for other people. And I think that Jacob was in that kind of a situation. On the outside, he looked very prosperous, but on the inside, his life and his family were falling apart. 
I believe that there could be even folks here today in this building this morning, as far as anybody else knows, as far as just looking at one another, things are good, but inside you might be hurting. You're filled with frustration. And sometimes you say to yourself, how in the world did I let myself get here? I want us to look at this backslidden state how we, and how we can get out of it because all of us have to deal with it from time to time. Before we get going any further, I want to ask this question. I'm going to give you just a one-question test this morning. Let me ask you, has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are here today? Has there ever been a time in your life when the Bible meant more to you than it does here this morning? Has there ever been a time when singing these hymns and offering up these prayers and this praise, was there ever a time when it was more meaningful to you then than it is today? Was there ever a time when you were more excited about coming to church than you are today? If that's the case, dear friend, you are in a backslidden state because we're either going forward or we're sliding backwards. And what God wants us to deal with this morning is to recognize that He wants us to continue to grow in our relationship with Him. He wants us to continue to have that joyful state. He wants us to be excited about what He's doing in our lives. He wants it to be more. Think back to that time when you first came to know the Lord. Think back to that time and how exciting that was and what that meant to you and how you wanted to grow and you wanted to do things. I heard Vance Havner say one time that you get these folks into the church and you get them saved and they're all excited and, and they're just, man looking forward to what God's going to do in their life and they have to backslide for three months before they can fit in with the congregation. Because sometimes, sometimes that's the way we are. We come to church and we, oh, oh, we're here every Sunday and we sing the songs and we pray the prayers, but, but that excitement is not there anymore. That power in our life is not there anymore. We're not really looking forward to seeing what God's going to do. We don't expect God to do great things in the service. We come week after week after week after week and we're hungry for God to do something special in our lives. I want you to look at Jacob. That's exactly where Jacob found himself See how he got back to being where God wanted him to be. The first thing that we need to notice this morning is Jacob's invitation, is what I call it. Jacob's invitation, if you notice there in verse 1, it was God inviting Jacob to come back 
He says, then God said to Jacob, really, it's more of a commandment than it is an invitation. But he says, said to Jacob, arise, go up to Bethel and dwell there and make an altar there to God who appeared to you there when you fled from the face of Esau, your brother. You remember Bethel was that place where God first appeared to Jacob. You remember that's where he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't see it. Surely God is here where God became real to Jacob, where God became real to this young man as he struggled to be what God wanted him to be. Let me ask you this morning, do you have a Bethel? Do you have a Bethel in your life? Is there a place, is there a time when you can look back and you can see, boy, that's where God became real in my life. For some of you, it may be here at Hebron Baptist Church. For me, it was in a jail cell in Gainesville, Florida. And then when I got out of jail, I became a member of the North Central Baptist Church in Gainesville. And when I, when I look back for my Bethel, I go back to North Central Baptist Church in Gainesville, Florida, because that's where I really first got called and I caught on fire for the Lord Jesus Christ when I realized that God had something special for my life, when there was something that God told me that there was something that He wanted me to do for Him. And I look back and sometimes when I get wearied and sometimes when I get tired or or dis. Uh, uh, discouraged. I have to think back. I have to go back to Bethel. I can't go to Gainesville every time that happens. But I, I think back and I picture in my mind what God was doing in my life then and the change that He brought about in my life then. And I recognize that there's something that I need to do. See, you came... It's where I came to know the Lord. God's saying you can begin again. Folks, listen to me. Listen to me. God brings new life to people. And, and Rebecca, you were spot on. I don't know if you prayed about that this morning or not, but you were spot on because we all sometimes are tempted and we fall to that temptation and we and and that just kind of drives a little wedge between not in our salvation not in our relationship with God but the fellowship that we have with God it drives a little wedge and we begin to we get, begin to get a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further away from God and 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 then one day we wake up and we realize man how did I get way over here and God is way over there. How do I get back? And, and I'm here to tell you this morning that God is a God not only <coughs> that allows us to begin again, but He is a God that helps us. He gives us a second chance. Amen? Aren't you glad that it's not just the begin again, but He gives us a second chance? And sometimes a third and a fourth, and a fifth, and, and he's always 
always ready and happy and looking forward to the opportunity to forgive us and to bring us back to where he wants us to be. You see, God is in the business of giving people second chances. And the, some of his greatest, some of the greatest men of God that you know were needed a second chance. You remember, it was Abraham, the father of the faithful. It was Abraham who talked his wife Sarah into saying that she was his sister so he could give her to Pharaoh to become a part of Pharaoh's harem. It was Abraham that did that. But yet, Abraham, God used him. He called him back and he helped him to see that, uh, oh, I need you, Abraham, to be the father of this nation, Israel. And he brought him back. He gave him a second chance. Remember Jonah? Jonah, that prophet, God told him to go and prophesy in Nineveh. And Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh. And he went down to Joppa and he got on a boat and he was going the opposite direction from Nineveh. And God sent a storm and they threw him overboard. And God sent a big fish that swallowed him up and came and spit him out on dry land. And Jonah became the great prophet. And all of Nineveh was saved because God gave Jonah a second chance. Remember uh, Moses. Moses was that to be that missionary for the Lord. He was raised in, in Pharaoh's house and God helped him to realize that he was a Hebrew uh, child and that God was going to use him. And, and he turned out, instead of being the missionary, he was a, became a murderer and he had to flee and spent 40 years on the backside of the wilderness until one day God called him in a burning bush and said, I need you to go back to Egypt and set my people free. God gave Moses a second chance. Remember Samson, that heavyweight of the Old Testament, who was uh, 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 the strongest man that ever lived, and, and he was able to uh, defeat, uh, kill lions and defeat scores of uh, enemy soldiers until he got caught up with, ba what was her name, Jezebel, Je Delilah, thank you, thank you, I, I knew I'd get it, somebody let me know, <laughs> Delilah got his hair cut in Delilah's barbershop, <laughs> and he lost his strength, he lost his place with God, he was put in prison, had his eyes gouged out. But as he was in prison there, God began to speak to his heart. His hair began to grow, and he was able to pull down that temple of Dagon and, and accomplish what God gave him a second chance. Remember, it was Simon Peter. Simon Peter was chosen by Jesus to be one of his disciples, and there by a fireside on the night that Jesus was arrested, he was cowered by a young girl, and he denied that he even knew Jesus and cursed his name. But God, Jesus saw him, and uh, there he went with his disciples on a 
boat trip and Jesus was on the shore and he called him back and he became the mighty preacher of Pentecost where over 3,000 were saved in a single time and God gave him a second chance. Can I tell you this morning that God's not finished with you? And it doesn't matter if there's anything in your life that you think would hinder God using you to be a mighty warrior for Christ, to make an impact in the Bell's area. (coughs) God wants to use you. And there's nothing. God will give you a second chance. Praise God that he'll do that. God gave Jacob a second chance. And he will for you. Jacob's invitation, the second point. Goodness, where did the time go? Jacob's decision. If you look in verses 2 and 3, 2 and 3, and Jacob said to his household and all who are with him, put away the foreign gods that are among you. Purify yourselves. Change your garments. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there. And God who will answer me in the day of my distress and has been with me all the days which I have gone. What he's saying there, He's saying, Jacob said, I will do it. He made a decision when he realized, when God brought it to his attention, that he was out of fellowship with God. He says, okay, (coughs) I'll do what's necessary. And he told his family, he made a decision, not only for himself, but for his family. Fathers, listen to that. You need to make decisions for your family. And he said, cleanse yourself. Put away the idols. Change your garments. What are you saying? Make a total difference. Make a total change. Decide that you're going to follow the Lord and be what he says to do. I'm I'm going to skip through a lot of this because I know of the time. But there was a decided choice and there was a divine cleansing. He said to purify yourself. You can't go back to Bethel. You can't go back to Bethel without being cleansed, and how do you do that? Well, 1 John 1, 9 said, If you confess your sin, that God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's how you do it. You say, yes, Lord. You don't run and hide. You don't blame somebody else. But you say, yes, Lord. I recognize that I've fallen short, that I've sinned. Please. And he said that he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You've got to be honest with God. You need to be honest with yourself. And then there was a definite change. He changed, they changed their garments. That means their, their character, their habits. They made that change in their lives. The third point, Jacob's protection. You see that in verse 5. Look at it. And they journeyed in there, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them. You've got to understand that they were behind enemy lines. They were in enemy territory. They had just slaughtered a, an entire city of uh, 
in a, they were enemies, but they killed women, children. They, they went in and slaughtered everybody. And now they were running. But the, but the, notice what it says. It says the terror of the Lord was on those cities, so they didn't pursue them. It was that they were afraid of Jacob. They weren't afraid of Jacob's sons. They were afraid of Jacob's God. See, we have to do battle with the devil. But folks, can I tell you something here this morning? Just in case you don't already know it, the devil's not afraid of you. But he's afraid of your God. The Bible says that he trembles even at the name of Jesus. We can't do it on our own. Don't think you can do it on on your own. You need the Lord. You need to be honest with God. You need to get right back with Him. Now I titled this message, and I have to deal with this because this is what the message was all about. Notice there in verse 7, and this is he, Jacob's reminder. He, he got reminded by God who he was, and he built an altar there, and he called the place El Bethel, El Bethel, because there God appeared to him when he fled from the face of his brother. Now, I'm, I'm cutting out everything that I was going to share with you this morning because I know our time is late. But listen to me. Why did he change the name from Bethel? Why did he call it now El Bethel or El Bethel? Why did he do that? What was the difference? What happened there? I think Jacob fell to the same trap that many of us fall to. You see, we get saved, we get excited. Bethel, what does Bethel mean? You remember I told you a couple of weeks ago? Bethel, the house of God. Okay? Bethel is the house of God. And we get, we get comfortable coming to the house of God. And we do that. And we, we come in and we go out and sometimes there's a change and sometimes there's not. You know, sometimes we, oh, it's just like, well, we went to a movie or we went to a concert or we went to whatever. And you come and you go, you come and you go, and we just get in the habit. It's Sunday morning, so we go to church. Bethel became the house of God, but it was just the house of God. He changed it to, you remember what I told you what El for Elohim? It means mighty God. So really what he was saying, he changed it from the house of God to the mighty God of the house of God. See, folks, listen to me. A lot of people come to church and never experience the mighty God of the house of God. You understand what I'm saying? They don't experience the mighty God of the house of God. And what I want to tell you this morning is that Hebron Baptist Church, you might call this, maybe some of you, have called it, oh, well, it's the house of God. But folks, listen to me. God's not interested in how many times you go to the house of God. 
He's not interested in how many times you sing songs in the house of God. Not if you don't meet with the mighty God of the house of God. You understand what I'm saying? You want to get past this malaise? You want to get past just being comfortable in church? You want to get past just going through the motions? Then you come looking for the mighty God of the house of God. And you remember there, uh, I'm not up there so I can't read it to you, but it goes on and you'll see that he goes in and he reminds, it's like deja vu. He goes in and reminds him who he, who he is. It, remember, your, 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 your name is Jacob, but no longer are you going to be called Jacob. Now you are Israel because you are a prince with God. You understand what I'm saying? And he goes through, and I gave you all this land. I gave it to, I made this promise to Abraham. I gave it to Isaac, and now I'm giving it to you. He goes over. That's the third time that God's done this. You know why? Because Jacob had forgotten what God had done for him. He had forgotten what God had done for him. And God saying, here, Jacob, let me remind you who you are. Can I tell you something? Can I tell you something this morning? When you got saved, you became somebody. You are a somebody. God moved heaven and earth. He sent his son to down Calvary's cross for you. You are somebody. And so many times when we get caught up and we just go through the motions, we forget who we are. I've shared with you before that often I don't do it enough. I wish I did it more often than I do. But when my kids were growing up, I did it pretty pretty often. I do it sometimes with Caitlin. I wish I did more. You heard me say, remember who you are and remember whose you are. We've got to remember. That's what, that's what, that's what God was saying to Jacob. Remember who you are, Jacob. You're now Israel. I gave my life for you. I got a name written down in heaven. I don't ever want to forget that. Sometimes I do. You say, even you, preacher? Yeah, sometimes I do. I don't want to forget who I am. That I'm somebody. I'm somebody that Jesus died for. And you know what? So are you. I know I'm taking longer than I... But hey, you don't want to go out in that anyway. (laughs) Amen? Can I share with you, and I'll be finished with this, you are somebody. And you can make a difference. Amen?
Let's pray together. Father God, I just ask you to be with us this morning. Help us to remember the price that you paid to make us somebody. Help us never forget that we are somebody. Help us never to forget who we are and whose we are. that we can impact this community in which we live. Help us to know. Help us to meet not just with in the house of God, but help us to meet with the mighty God of the house of God. We praise you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.